I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, hello, everybody. We are so excited to be back, finally, to talk about the last couple episodes of Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. I'm your host, Cody Epperson, but I am not here alone. I could not do this alone. I am joined with three amazing co-panelists. We have one, Brian Santos. Hello! Glad to be back with you guys for the show. There's some gay stuff now, so we gotta talk about it. What? (laughs) (laughs) And we have uh, Miss Tori Weaver. Yes, hello. Definitely missed you all. I knew Brian was gonna comment on that (laughs) scene. I just felt it in my bones. (laughs) (laughs) And we also have, last but not least, Adam Carr. Yes, hi, I'm Adam. I'm straight, uh, sharing a lot of hell. I also loved uh, the as well. Uh, it did some things for me, you know, growing up in repressed Ohio. But anyway, uh, glad to be here. You guys, I'm so happy to be back with you. We missed a week, but it's okay. We had a holiday. A lot of other things happened, but it's good to finally be back and talk to you about this show because we have two episodes to discuss and there's so much that went down. Um, But before we get into episode five, Children of the Royal Sun, and episode six, which is entitled How It Is With Brothers, which I'll tell you how it is with brothers. Um, Let's go around. Guys, tell me your overall thoughts. Adam, what on both? Let's just uh, let's start with the first episode. Overall thoughts. Um, Pretty incredible. Uh, I'm really loving this show uh, because I'm watching it. I've gone from watching this show on Showtime to Amazon Prime to Hulu. Which platform is this show on? Just so I'm making sure. It's it's Amazon Showtime. 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 Okay. Yeah. Showtime. So but Showtime. I think I think Showtime is on Amazon or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're all <laughs> in its own video. But um, I think what's fun is that this show is able to do. I feel like it has the um that bluntness that like the nudity, the swearing, the certain things that you only used to be able to watch on HBO or something, or you'd be like, oh, this is like really adult. Um, but then you juxtapose that with the cultural significance and what it means to discuss race and to also introspectively look at things, which I feel like in the last week in this country have also been so highlighted that we're it, it's much more. I don't know how to say, I was mesmerized by it because I was watching certain things. It's like you watch stuff on the news and then you watch the show and it's the same. You're seeing corruption. You're seeing white cops just itching to kill people. It's just, it's a very, it's saturated. So it's, um, it's visceral. It's ugly. Um, I think it's fantastic television. And if nothing else, hopefully uh, it's educating people who might not usually see it or think about certain things that are discussed in it. Absolutely. It's definitely hitting, it's definitely hitting home right now. Nail on the head. How about you, Tori? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think watching um, both of these episodes and not feeling a weird parallel, not even weird, but just parallel to what's happening in the world right now is kind of impossible. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes it can, uh, TV and art is supposed to reflect life and that's great and that's dandy. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, at what point do you kind of need a break? So part of me enjoyed watching this and the other part of me was like, I really would like to just kind of like detach just a little bit. 
from everything that's going on and this kind of highlighted it but I mean it's a double-edged sword because you want to be involved you want to dive in you want to be in, as informed as possible and knowing how this connects to history present day everything that's going around and sometimes it's just like your brain literally can't take it but it was it was definitely nice to watch and I think if anything like you said Adam this show has definitely educated us with every episode of um of things that are happening now, of historical things that we might not know about or might have forgotten about. So if anything, I think this this show continues to do its job in educating all of the viewers. Absolutely. It's keeping, it's it's, yeah, it's educational. We're seeing like the, the correlation between the, the corruption in the show and what we're seeing today. It's, it's absolutely, it's insane. But um, Brian, tell us what your overall thoughts are for, this episode of course or both echoing, <laughs> yeah echoing exactly what everyone said it's it's crazy to see how it's so relatable to today's world and it's crazy how this along with so many other television shows is that same way it's crazy to see that they're still being portrayed you know even in a, in a period piece like this and it's still happening today so it's it's crazy and it's, it's hard to watch but again like you said Tori it's, it's great to, to see and um kind of compare the two obviously I'm, I was kind of like in and out of the show because it was very confusing at times. Um, but you know, in episode five where we got, you know, Dominic Sherwood, you know, giving it to what's his name. I was like, okay, I'm here, I'm gonna stay until episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This I mean, at least so we'll with episode five, children, children of the royal sun. Um, that one, like that was, I mean, first of all, I was very happy with it. I there is so much correlation between the show and real life. There already was, and then just with the climate of our world right now, like. We're seeing it even more just like in our faces. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of times we go turn to television to escape the real world. And then I was like, I have to watch this show right now. And it's just going <laughs> to keep me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Exactly. I'm laughing. I don't mean to laugh. But it's like, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. But, um, but it, is, it, it is so good to have television that is honest and is in your face. Because we need to have this, this be seen. But um, let's start from the beginning of, of episode five for now. And um, we open and we have, sorry, I'm looking down at my notes. And so like, um, so we have, it starts off with Mateo and he's very devastated over killing Officer O'Reilly. And um, it goes back and forth. Then we also have, it's kind of, I feel like the, these two scenes were kind of a, a, what do you call it? A montage, if you will. And then we also kind of go back and forth with Molly and Tiago having their interaction at the beach house. So, um, I mean, I'll just say real quick, at first, I was real pissed when when Natalie Dormer started getting on my man, Mateo. I was like, oh, no, this is not okay with me. I was like, she's after my man. But then we bounced back, and Fly Rico jumped in there. And Brian, we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, Adam, just let's start with you. How do you, how was, like, just this opening sequence of, like, the aftermath of killing a police officer mixed with we have also just kind of just this opening sequence of what's going on between these two different parts of the show with Tiago also kind of having him and Molly are obviously having this weird relationship that's not appropriate for their for their scenario and then also his brother let's just anything you have to say Sure. Yeah, I think both brothers right now uh, Tiago and Mateo are kind of um dipping their feet in for romance and like the stuff that they shouldn't necessarily be doing. Uh, I wrote at the beginning here that it's almost like Mateo is baptized from like O'Reilly's blood. Like he's got it all over his 
chest. He's got it all over his arms. And yeah. it's almost like all he's right. being reborn <laughs> to Chuko, that he's no longer, you know, they're telling him, forget about your family. The only family now are your members here are the people that you saved who are no longer get killed by this, you know, racist POS. Um, mm-hmm. So that sense that now he belongs somewhere else and that he's okay and that he just did it by like completely gutting this guy who let's be honest was a disgusting despicable human being any one of us would have if he had done anything to one of us or our family members would you have cared like this guy had it coming a long way out uh i think it's just the sense that he knew that his innocence was gone kind of like in the pilot episode when tiago shoots his brother raul in the head there's something in that moment once you once you cross that line, once you, um, and even if it's justifiable that like someone deserves to have their life taken, you've in a sense crossed over to the other side of like only, you know, only the Santa Muerte or other, like they get to call when people die, but when you take that into your own hands, we're seeing them, they become else. So Mateo, um, yeah. And then we, uh, we go right into the Fly Rico threesome, which, uh, you know, Brian, I, I throw it or Tori to you who wants to take that meatball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, girl. Yeah, Brian, please take it away. Because I, I have to know how you feel. I have to I was yipping at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, honestly, because I was just like, okay, girl, you know, whatever, give it to him. First of all, his body is great, Mateo. Like, I was like, under all that clothes, it was not showing what he was really was working with. That was like that t- challenge on TikTok. Like, you know, you don't know if you're really thick until you wear clothes that fit you kind of thing. Um, but <laughs> that's another story. But that was great. The threesome popped off because literally, like, you know, she, he walked in. You think he's going to go after him. You think it's going to be over. But I actually didn't think that because I knew that he was going to jump in on that action and it was going to be what the girls and gays wanted so thank you to the creator of this show for doing that for us um and yeah (laughs) oh my goodness i did not i literally (laughs) thought of brian when i saw it play on the screen i was like i know he's gonna have so much to say about this i was this close to calling brian like did you see what just happened You should have. We could have gushed over over the phone and did it again, right? right? <laughs> first of all, I was hella pissed at first when like Natalie Dormer started messing with him, and then I was like, "No way, this can't be right. She's supposed to be like a lesbian or something." <laughs> but then when Rico showed up and like got in there, I was like, "All right, you know what? First of all, I'm already like mad in love with Mateo. Like he can get it." <laughs> <laughs> and then Fly Rico comes in. I'm like, yes, I ship this. This is what I've wanted for the last three years. But then throw in Lady Marjorie of House Tyrell. Like, I've, that is the woman yeah. I aspire to be. So, like, honestly, I was really okay with this. <laughs> yeah. Me really down for it. it uh, <laughs> I think you hit it on the head, too, because you said the way Natalie Dormer is, it's almost <gasps> because she's first and foremost this ethereal, like, you know, godlike character. She almost seems asexual. She almost seems like she she doesn't really derive pleasure from anything like that, but she will play whatever she has to play and manipulate whatever she has to manipulate to get what she wants. So it's interesting that you say that because I yeah, I generally don't believe I think she's faking it the whole time. Like whatever Oh of course. Or her, oh yeah. yeah. The orgasms yeah. are worth her sentiment. They're fake. They're not nothing's real. But it's um <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah so it it is that that's a testament too to how great Natalie Dormer is because she can play Mm -hmm. all of these characters and still with this underlying she has this it's a it's a cool factor whatever it is she she's amazing I think she's Mm -hmm. yeah she does house Tyrell proud you're right (laughs) 
She does. Yep. I'm the only one here that has not watched Game of Thrones. So I'm okay. like, oh, yeah, how's oh. yeah. You know what? You know what? It's perfect because luckily there might be a pandemic and other shit going on and you might just need. I know I need. Time. So I need to get some HBO. HBO Go now. Yes. Now Max, whichever one gonna, they have. You're going to dig it. You're going to be halfway through yeah. season three and you're going to go, oh my God, there's even more and I have all this time. It's so great. Yes. I'm but it's probably that. good because then like you're not watching this show seeing her like from that show so you're not like mm. you know what i mean like you're getting her true, like true. in this element instead of like oh i know her from game of thrones like everybody else yes it's so, yes granted obviously she's done other things but i just mean like that's like where she came from for me but um <laughs> one thing let's go into so molly i'm saying we see that molly is now late sister molly is now talking to don't worry i can talk about this whole threesome all day long but let's move into sister molly she is talking to josefina tiago's mm -hmm. sister and oh doesn't God. even realize it at first which is really crazy so um and she's obviously we know in a, that prior episode molly or excuse me josefina was really going through it so um tori talk to me about just this whole we this relationship because we've been seeing the next episode that molly or excuse me i keep saying molly Josephine is still attending masses or church going mm -hmm. so how do you feel about this whole interaction this new sisterhood well um i felt two ways about it more i felt a different way uh towards the end but just watching it at first i'm not gonna lie at first i was like okay i really hope that this is just a genuine conversation um, I mean, I think this show, you're skeptical with everyone. Like, you don't really mm -hmm. trust anyone's intentions. So I was just kind of like, oh, yeah. I really hope <laughs> that she's, you know, just listening to what she has to say. It was nice to see. But it was, um, it just kind of brought a, a level of, I don't want to say equality, but just kind of like humanness to everything. Um, because they do come from two different worlds. They do come from two different backgrounds. They probably have two different socioeconomic statuses, but they were able to connect in this type of way. And although... Um, Josephina wasn't able to get that type of uh, care from her mom because she wasn't able to share that story from her mom. It was nice that she was able to talk to another woman who has been through that. And even, even though she didn't know that Molly had been through that prior to the conversation, just being able to open up to a woman about the things that she's expressed because she didn't really feel safe to do it anywhere else. I think it was just a nice moment aside from it's so crazy because everything just seems like it parallels. But it was a nice moment aside from the chaos that's happening in, in the pity dreadful world to just have Josephina be able to breathe. And I think it was Absolutely. so important because you just saw her exhale and you were just like, I get it. Like I'm there with you and I understand how important that breath was. And I also think it was important for Molly because when when we backtrack to when she was in the bed with um, Tiago, she didn't share that part of the story. She should, it was the exact same story but she didn't share that part of it. And I think that was important to note because you can just kind of see the difference of comfortability and how women or just people who have been through those sort of things kind of feel like they have to keep it a secret unless they're talking to someone who's experienced it as well. And you're not really sure somebody's gonna take it. So I thought that was just really interesting hearing her tell the story two different ways. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I completely agree with that. And I'm actually, you literally, my next question was, because I remember she told the story twice and mm -hmm. I just had an inkling. I was like, wait, I, I just like, I barely caught it. And I was like, I feel like this was two different stories, but you nailed that real quick. And that's why I was like, yes, thank you. You, you got me, <laughs> you beat me to it. Cause I was, yes. cause she did tell two, she didn't and tell mm -hmm. the whole story the other time. So um, that's why I thought it was so, that I was something I wanted to ask y'all about was like, I just thought that was interesting how she didn't, she did tell it a little differently. And Tori, I think you really nailed that. 
And, yeah, um, and also, um, not only did she tell it differently, and I don't know if how you guys felt hearing her say it the second time, but it kind of seemed like the first time when she told it to uh, Tiago, she was kind of praising her mother in a sense. And then the second time, she was like, my mother was nowhere to be found. Like, okay, wait. Mm. I mean, of course, we know that she told the story differently. We know, like, the overall aspects that were different. But then I was kind of like, hmm, like, wh- how exactly do you feel? Or do you feel both at the same time? Like, are you kind of conflicted with your own feelings towards your mother? Because that night, you feel like you found God, but unfortunately, you lost your mother. I think it was just kind of something in that conversation that kind of made me say, hmm, this this relationship with her mom is, is even more complex than we think. And I'm kind of stupid here, so forgive me. Was she telling Josefina in a roundabout way that she was molested when her mom left her alone in a car with mm-hmm. three strangers mm-hmm. and that in a yes. sense, she was basically pimping her out or whatever mm-hmm. so that they could survive? That's, okay. Yeah. Just, I just want to be sure, sorry, because I was like, I'm pretty sure, but I don't, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that's what I got it too. She says, yeah, um, there are times when you're small and weak and you're grateful for the dragon's roar. And that was something that just uh, kind of was, um, it's just horrifying because your mom is, I think the one person who's supposed to just protect you. And that's the person who shields you in you know, her womb for nine months and to uh, feel that so early on that not only that wasn't there, but um, that she also then needed her mother too at the same time to help protect her or, you know, move her in, but she's in effect, she's just pimping her. That's all she's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, um, crazy because I didn't realize that I didn't catch that either until now like I um, I <laughs> thought it was I thought it was like yeah. oh her mom just was like in the front seat of the no, truck she said, and she um, was my in the back needs- and it just like she was being kind of not rain, like her passing around a bottle and I was like she's mm-hmm. she yeah they they took they took her and while she asked where's my mom I think her mom let them have her so that they could Yikes. have warmth and shelter and all this stuff yeah that's yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologize. That's a, I was talking about. I didn't even realize. Okay. Me too. Yeah. I was like shook. I just was shook right now. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to like, I was like, wait, it's what worse. are we talking Absolutely. about? Yeah, That's it's, crazy. It's the worst. Yeah. Cause like the mother, the mother, we go back. I mean, I don't know, but I go back and forth between thinking that she like has like some good intention, but also is just a mm. freaking monster. <laughs> She's and a monster. Like, she's <laughs> horrific, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, she is. Terrible. She's the dragon. Hi, y'all. Sorry about that. We had a bit of a technical difficulty, but we are just going to pick up right where we left off. And uh, Adam, please continue. We were talking about... Um, the white... You- White, uh, white, big, big white desert. That's right, big white desert. <laughs> desert, big white desert. Oh, uh, big white desert. Little Nazi or big desert. white desert. Come on, Nazi motorway. Yeah. S, so it's desert. Desert, and then uh, after that, uh, we said Tiago and Lewis go to visit his brother Raúl because they want to get a lead on uh, who killed O'Reilly. Is it Riley or O'Reilly? Who cares? He's dead. Who cares? He's dead. Who cares? Dead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so they go to check up on that. Nathan Lane has a great little sweet moment with the mama uh, when they're out, and he sees all her religious artifacts and everything. And um, he says, uh, "Let me guess. Yes, you're, you're really not Jewish." He has a classic Nathan Lane. Uh, oh, 
classic. Mm -hmm. Take that what you will, Cody. What would you like? And then like even, <laughs> but even, but even Maria thought that was good. She's like, oh, you're a clever man. <laughs> <laughs> you but must have been in a stupid. Mel Brooks musical. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's there, and then finally, uh, I think Tiago from there realizes where they need to go, uh, which is going to lead them down to the Fly Rico um, establishment downtown. But before we get to there, we have a little Townsend moment where he's going through his ties and. Uh, oh yeah, that was cute. I, I love him. He's so cute because he was so like he said, "I'm goddamn King Kong today." Um, something great about his lines. I don't know what it is. Uh, and then he asked about Kurt, and then his secretary very politely said, don't ever ask about Kurt. Don't ever mention Kurt's name once your enemies and your father. She's bringing on all this guilt to try and repress um, who he really is. Uh, so it's really weird. I know he's sympathizing with Nazis and he's uh, doing horribly racist stuff, but I also just saw, uh, you know, just a repressed gay man in there who really just wanted to be free and we later find out what he really wanted to do with his life but uh you know uh he's working mm -hmm. with that in the meantime so he made his bed yeah. come on right. I, i'm so confused too because it was episode four when they first hooked up right yeah. and when she taped it yeah so there was mm -hmm. no development in two episodes of her making a live sex tape of her boss that may come back and bite him in the butt. I mean, oh, yeah. I can't imagine no, it sure. won't. You don't just do that for just like, oh, that was just a plot. That was just a. I think she's watching point. it at home. I don't know, but. <laughs> Townsend, yeah, Townsend's a power bottom Nazi, and when they ah, on you, power bottom. They, will, they will use that and they will leverage it. So he's yeah, he's oh, done. Sure. Oh, he's done for sure. I have to just say because I wasn't with you guys on episode four when he walked in, he was like top or bottom. I was. I rolled off my bed. I literally freaking lost it. I was like, <laughs> goodbye. I'm logging out, leave meeting. I can't do it. <laughs> no, I lost so it when crazy. he said, I just let them blow me. I just <laughs> for $4. Let them blow me. For $4. White guy cries. Oh my God. <laughs> I just let them blow me. I don't, I'm not gay. They blow me. They blow me. I'm like, oh, you're. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, I digress. It's okay. This is leading us, however, <laughs> to, as we're getting to end this episode, Dr. Kraft uh, gets a call that uh, from Elsa that she needs to go. And at the very beginning of this episode, we see the angel of death walking through, transforms magically into Elsa. And then there's that big, you know, fat swampy guy who comes up to her and says, you know, I don't want to dance with you. And she goes, oh, you want to take me home? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, you want to do bad things to me? And I was like, why is she saying all this? And I'm like, oh, because she's a she's a polarizing magnet for shit and crap. And she knew that this guy was like a murderer. And so she did this so that then she wouldn't feel bad for murdering him or whatever, this guy was gonna die regardless. And then she blamed him saying that that was her abusive husband. So that's, she, she brought him in as like, he was bait so that she could use Dr. Mm -hmm. Kraft. Adam, how the hell did you gather all that? I, <laughs> that's so nuts because honestly, I watched it and I was like, oh my God, she killed her husband. But obviously she's like a crazy deity. Yeah. I, like she doesn't actually have a husband. So she went and found one. I didn't mm -hmm. even like. I didn't. Wow, I am know. really like. She like have a kid. I, was, I was like, come on, self-defense. <laughs> that's all she did. You were so oh my god! Ah! I know, right? I was all everything like, else just went over I was my all head. <laughs> mm -mm. I hate us. So I hate us. us. <laughs> it's not even 
fucking German. She's a psycho. She's the alien. But, she's not human. She's not even I'm, human. I'm <laughs> That's crazy. Because like obviously she doesn't have a husband. I don't know why I I mean you're right. I was, I was on Twitter painted over the beginning of the episode. So we have okay. So she murders him and then we go mm-hmm. into we have Dr. Kraft who shows up to help bury the body because mm-hmm. he's just throwing away his whole life for mm-hmm. this yeah, this devil idiot. woman. So, um, and then he takes her on the on the grave where they just buried that body. <laughs> he just took her, and I'm like, what? Gross. Some kinky. All that uh-huh. bad karma is just gonna be all over their uh-huh. bodies. Well, not her because uh-huh. he don't really. Guys, get it's not his yeah, he's a Nazi. He couldn't burn enough books for the week, so he had to do it on a grave site. That's a do one or the other, but you can't do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm so glad we brought that up because it really was very enlightening for me that that was a stranger because I was like, okay, so he helped her bury her husband who never existed. Duh. Um, Literally me. Let's move on to our next, to one more, before we go to the next episode, I want to talk about, so they have the whole, the, the, not a shootout, the, they run, the run, like, uh, Freaking Tiago and Lewis catch Mateo and Rico and Rio and fly Rico and Rio and the other boy whose name is Mateo and was getting beat up by Riley last time. Yeah. So they all run off, they get caught, they run, they all go in their own directions. But Mateo gets caught by Tiago. And this is a huge, this is a huge moment because Tiago lets him go. So, um, mm-hmm. Tori, please talk to me about this this moment, this scene, because a lot happens. So, there. what's crazy is that, well, not crazy, but when the first episode happened and we saw Tiago shoot his brother, I'm going to put it out there, I'm not the best with names. I watched Game of Thrones, all of it, and I still don't know everyone's name. But um, Girl, <laughs> right there with you. His, right, he shoots his older brother and I definitely thought right Raul and I definitely thought that the standoff that we saw in this episode would be between the two of them especially because Raul came back to life we didn't really see Mm -hmm. any consequence for him coming back to life it seemed like he was pretty uh, okay I don't want to say normal but you know operating life per usual and I thought for sure that when it came down to it we would have this match off again we might still but just seeing that it's Mateo instead is like okay this family has some issues that we need to work mm-hmm. through. Um, maybe some family counseling, but it was it was definitely interesting. I mean, just saying that, just giving, I guess, like that little spiel. Tiago has been faced with near either shooting or nearly shooting both of his brothers at this point. And I think that we have seen him in every episode struggle with, am I a cop or am I uh, loyal to my background, my neighborhood, my family? And it, it just always like it's just like this never-ending Libra scale of him trying to figure it out, and I feel like in this moment, like you can definitely see him just battling himself. Like in that moment, you know that he knows that his brother killed Riley, um, but it's still his brother, so he's just kind of like, is this my chance to redeem myself for shooting my other brother and turn and choosing another direction, or do I do what I still feel is right because he did kill him? Like we we all know that that's a fact at this point. And it was just like, oh, like I was watching it like, oh, what are you going to do? I'm so glad I'm not in that um, situation because I don't even know what I would have done. But I definitely think that Tiago is kind of like, what the hell? Like, 
can my family just not be involved in one of these crimes for once or something like yep you can definitely see that he's just battling himself like he just doesn't know what to do and he also I think he genuinely doesn't know what the right thing to do is either like I I don't really think he really knows which one is better um and I think in this entire episode and the uh the latest episode he still hasn't figured it out honestly so I was just kind of like sorry I'm so sorry oh yeah well, that's a perfect transition into into our the next episode, which is called How It Is With Brothers. And um, mm-hmm. basically, I mean, a majority of the episode is this interrogation of, I believe his name is Diego, is the, guy, the boy's name. And then we have Tiago, mm-hmm. who's obviously has his, he's has his own internal battle. And there's, there's a lot going on in this, in just this interrogation portion of the episode. So Brian, tell me your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, it was super interesting to see that whole thing go down because it's, like you said, Tori, it's really where Tiago's internal struggle comes to a final head because this Mm -hmm. is like a make or break moment. Like he has to really make a decision at this point. Is he gonna throw his brother under the bus or is he gonna frame essentially, I mean, not really frame because he wasn't part of it or throw Diego under the bus and make him take the entire blame. Obviously he chose to do kind of the first but then it it turned out that lewis was the one that kind of made the decision for him so it was really crazy to see that and i actually love that part of it the most how we Mm -hmm. saw this exchange between him and lewis and you think that lewis is gonna like totally throw him under the bus and then lewis saves him and mateo so it was just a really great exchange it did take up a large portion of the episode which was okay for me um because it offered a lot of development for every single character while just being within the three of them yeah, absolutely. How about you, Adam? What about, talk to me about this inter- this long interrogation. Yeah, the interrogation, you're kind of seeing um, Tiago's deeply conflicted. He doesn't know what to do. I think it was different before with Raul a little bit when he shot him because he had cops holding up their hands saying, stop shooting. And so he was like, if I don't shoot him right now, he will kill more people in front of me. But the fact that Mateo, like, Riley was, Riley was a horrible person he was a disgrace to the badge so no one like i think it's more or less like if i bring you in which is quote unquote the law i know that my friends here are just going to kill you in one way or another you're not going to make it to the trial or even if you do you're gonna you know hang yourself in prison so i think for him it was he's you know struggling also diego's telling him like give me your gun let me get out of here let me kill a couple cops before i do they hate you more than me like and every time tiago goes back and he's talking to these freaking white cops who are just doing all this you know they're singing mexican songs to him and just all it's just you're finally like why would he even want to work with them when they clearly despise him so much and keep trying to throw him back over to the other side so it's this horrible thing where he's really trying to do the right thing and you can tell that he became a cop because he believes in law and order but unfortunately it's submerged in all this racist horrific shit that's just not going to go anywhere and that kind of leads to the metaphor of what detective lewis says later he's like shit begets shit like it's not going to stop. We found a dead white, you know, rich people. So now people give a shit and now it happens to this and then you get handcuffed to a chair and now you killed a cop and now it's never going to stop. So I think Lewis effectively ended the leapfrogging. He figured out like, it's just gonna have to be this in the end and basically told him you can either be a legend in your own community or you can be a rat in prison. But in the next 20 seconds, you're gonna give me an answer either way because I don't care anymore. So mm-hmm. it's, um, there's something about that where like, you know, Tiago's been hot-headed the whole time and Lewis has been much more calm. And then to see Lewis mm-hmm. kind of take that over and you see like that darkness in his eyes that he, 
he's seen some shit that he hasn't talked about, but the fact that he's just like, no, I'm going to tell you this is how it's going to go down right now. And there, there was something very sobering about that moment. Um, but just kind of, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to get to the end yet because we're, we're, we're getting a little bit to the end there. But um, yeah, as they're talking with that, and then I had the next thing was um, Sister Molly and her mom are talking after you realize that her mom like pimped her out and she's talking about how mm-hmm. much they have to live with and how they learned to live with so little. And then her mom basically threatens her with like, if you leave me in the church, all these organizations that help all these people, they're going to go away and you're going to, you're going to be responsible for that. So it made me again, kind of hate this dragon lady, terrifying mother who just pimps out her daughter and uses everything to manipulate her and coerce her to do what she wants. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Oh, girl. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really have much thoughts on the mother. She, like you said, she's a dragon. She's awful, terrible. Um, I absolutely feel for Sister Molly. I think that she is definitely going through it. Um, like, applause, like, applause to her, girl. She's with Tiago. Like, get hers, you know? Um, but that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely do not stand the mother. She is awful. Um, so it was in, I'm so sorry, like this, I'm, I'm lost with all three episodes, but in this episode, that's where she had the actual exchange with Josefina, right? Where she actually said the story. Episode. Was that episode? God, see, I'm so lost in my life. Okay. But yeah, so I feel for her for that, for, you know, what she went through with her mother. So she's just going through it, honestly. Yeah. The, um, the whole thing with them, it's just, it's also, they're all so convoluted and tied together. And, um, mm. just with this whole big interrogation, like, it was just so, it's like, you, we see it, it's just like, uh, Tiago's just not being honest. And Lewis is like, something's up, but he kind of just lets it play out. And finally, he's like, yo, like, what is going on? He's like, just be, and like, they just need to have open communication. Finally, he tells him, and it's like so heart-wrenching for Tiago to even say anything to Lewis about the truth of his brother. And then it's like, and he's mad. He's like, dude, like, this sucks. You're not trusting me. And I, how can I trust you if you don't trust me? But then he goes back in the room and he's like, this is how we're going to do it. And I love it. He, mm-hmm. I mean, it sucked. I felt, I honestly felt real bad for Diego, but it, he kind of tied it up. Tori, do you have any final words on this whole interrogation? Um, it was just, uh, honestly, my thoughts on this interrogation was like, I really don't want to watch this right now. Like yeah, this it was is painful. the last thing I would, I want to watch. But after I just kind of like wrapped my brain around it, it was just kind of like, like you guys said, Lewis was, honestly, I was surprised that he just, charged him for the original incident they've been trying to solve mm-hmm. I thought they were just going to kind of like okay we're just going to say that you killed um Riley and we're just going to get that but I think just him saying like this is never going to end unless we pick it from the root I was like oh wow like there have been there's so many other investigations and things that have happened that we still haven't solved and that's uh it's so weird to say like that's probably the better thing to do because Diego didn't do any of those th- he didn't do any of this honestly he didn't do any of it, and now he's going to go to jail for it, which automatically was just kind of like, this freaking sucks. But, and then on top of that, I was like, oh, he's going to jail for this, like, this slaughter. Like, I think that was, like, a really big uproar when it first happened. I mean, of course, we're not in the story, so I don't know. But it was kind of like, it, I don't know if you guys felt that, but I was like, it feels like he's giving him an even bigger charge. I mean, I don't oh, yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what what the time or how that will work out but I was just like okay I don't it just seemed like pinning him for Riley and pinning him for the slaughter of the man and his family I don't it just did 
I don't know. I don't want to say it didn't seem equal because you know, murder is murder. Oh, but I was it was hella like, like, messed like, up. Yeah, like he's never going to recover from this, and I guess Lewis pretty much knew that, which is why he broke it down the way that he did. But I was just like, what the hell? And then after the interrogation was over, I think we saw how much Tiago doesn't know because he really thinks that Mateo only killed Riley because of what happened with him. He's like, he really thinks that it's about him. And I don't want to say that like he's so vain and so selfish or whatever, but he has no idea that Mateo literally watched their sister get touched. I don't want to keep saying the word because it's unfortunate, but he watched that happen in front of him and he felt like he couldn't do anything. And that just Mm -hmm. shows that Tiago is also so disconnected. He's disconnected from both sides. No one on the uh, detective side tells him what's going on there, you know, to, uh, excluding him because of his background and things like that but he also has no idea what's going on in his own family and so when he was like you know this is all my fault he's only doing this because of x y and z i was looking at the screen like this has nothing to do with you i mean it has stuff, something to do with you but it really has nothing to do with you and i'm just like you already you're completely lost like you're really lost in the sauce you don't know what's going mm-hmm. on <laughs> there was, not- uh, oh sorry no go please I just want to say there was another quote uh, when uh, Nathan Lane as Detective Lewis gets into shit, he gets shit. When he talks about how when he worked as a kid in his neighborhood and how about only the rich people could afford ice. And so they bring that to them mm-hmm. each day. And he would say a lot of people were suffering, everybody, but not people up in Fifth Avenue, you know, not uptown. It was an entirely different, entirely different story. And it made me think a lot of times, you know, right now we're talking about the economic divide, especially with uh, coronavirus, how it's affecting certain mm-hmm. communities differently than the ones right now. And so you could say like, well, you know, we're, we're living in the most developed country in the world. We have, you know, this, we're able to get X, Y, and Z of testing. And, and you can go, maybe certain communities can, others are completely screwed because of where they are. And so to me, it, it's something, it's not necessarily more depressing. I think it's just more realizing that it's always been this way that even Mm -hmm. back then in like the classical beautiful times, like it was probably worse because you didn't have smartphones and you couldn't see it. And there weren't, you know, body cams and different, like there's all these things, but the fact that we're just seeing stuff more now, but that they were just as aware of it back then that something wasn't right and that things weren't equal and that everybody seemed to know it, but nobody wanted to say anything. And so I think that's why this show is, to me, it's hitting it right on the head right now. We're like, I'm actually, I'm very interested. I love to do the F show with you guys. I love watching the show. It's very, um, there's always something else. I also just want to say, I know we're wrapping up here soon, but um, Townsend has this whole romantic getaway, like with Kurt down by the beach and he watches him surf. Um, and <laughs> I don't <he> love it. <laughs> Townsend is just, he's like this little kid who wanted to grow up and be in musicals. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to be the next Fred Astaire. And he said, that's why he loves Los Angeles. And it's a great quote that I wanted to say just to people out there who, um, he said, uh, it doesn't care who you are when you arrive, but what you can make yourself into. And so mm-hmm. I think that's especially, I think why uh, we came out here to LA or just different, like it's an opportunity to make yourself into something different or to be something that you didn't necessarily think you could be back at home. And so mm-hmm. even though Townsend's working with Nazis and I think he's terrible and he's spineless, <laughs> um, the way that Kurt is describing how the mongrels, you know, quote unquote, all these different groups moved in and, you know, dirtied up his beautiful white Hermosa beach or whatever. And you actually see Townsend kind of wince when he says mongrels, like, really, that's the word you want to use. And you can tell, oh, 
he doesn't actually really want to be in all this stuff, but he's the, the train's already left the station, but I could see Townsend having a moment where he finally stops and ends up dying or something like down the line. I just want to call that. That's a, this mm-hmm. one you forget. There's always something in the plot that's like, oh, Nazi. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you start to have a genuine moment, you go, you know, they're not. Right. Oh, wait, Nazi. No. Like, oh, <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, Sorry. No. I know. I'm like, God, I can totally, you know, in LA, I can, you know, be an actor. I can find a hot guy like that, but then he's a Nazi. Like, what the hell? Honestly, I'm over it. Like, <laughs> and the thing is, I don't even think Kurt is necessarily gay. I think he's just doing what the oh, guy yeah. tell him to do. And that's, yes, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manipulating. I think he's yep. a good soldier. I don't think he's gay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. My but- <laughs> huge breath of knowledge as a <laughs> I'm just telling you I don't see it but <laughs> um you guys we are pretty much out of time at this point um there are just I mean this episode is mostly about the interrogation but there are some other little things uh if you have anything you want to talk about please comment them let us know what you're thinking because there's so much to digest from this show that sometimes you get a little bit of indigestion but um <laughs> I think we're gonna have to sign off now because we're a little past um Adam, where can they find you uh, outside of our panel? Oh, sure. Sorry. Uh, at Horribly Hollywood Single, YouTube and uh, Instagram, we talk about bad dates. Uh, if you want a little 45-minute break, laugh, look at some other stuff right now. Uh, that's all I'm doing, just talking about goofy shit on my side. Uh, love you guys and hope you stay safe. How about you, Sorry, Where can they find you, girl? You guys can find me on Instagram at Toxic Model or on Twitter at Tori with two E's. And I definitely will take this time that I am open to discuss anything that anybody wants to, you know, just talk about. I am a safe space. My social medias are a safe space. AfterBuzz is a safe space. And if you ever feel like you want to, you know, dive into those conversations about anything that's happening in the world, feel free to message me, leave a comment. I'll definitely respond. But love you all for sure. Pardon me. Absolutely. That's amazing. And how about you, Brian? Where can we find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at the Brian Santos, echoing what everyone else said. You know, reach out to us. We love you here at After Buzz. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sending you all our love always. Absolutely. Thank you guys. And I'm Cody Epperson. You can find me on Instagram at Cody Epp, C O D Y Y E P P. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Without you guys, we would just be nerds talking about whatever is going on in the show three thumbs and nazis without you it's just <laughs> us talking and talking so thank you for you guys listening and watching we'll be back next week for episode seven stay safe stay strong be you thanks bye <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.